Well, over the years, many of you in the midst of our everyday life have heard me use the phrase, that'll preach. It happens all the time. I'm here at church or I'm, uh, I'm out and about and something happens or someone says something when, and when you least expect it in daily situations, things turn into sermon stories or images just like that. It's so fun when a random interaction inspires a sermon. Well, the honest truth is that the only living thing I've encountered for the past month or so is my dog. So naturally, my sermon illustration for this morning is about Duncan. Some of you have met him. If you haven't, he has certainly made multiple appearances, uh, visually and audibly, in our videos over the past few weeks. He's a pretty large dog. In fact, his favorite thing is to kind of jump up and put his paws on your shoulder so that you give him like a human hug. So he is, he's no small creature. And he has this incredibly deep and intimidating bark. So between his size and his bark, you would actually never know that he is a huge baby. He's afraid of absolutely everything. He, he loves to run up and greet me every time I come home. That is, unless I am carrying something, a bag, a box, it doesn't really matter. He's afraid of it all. But there is nothing, there's nothing that he is more afraid of than the wind. He's terrified of it. If he is outside, he will hide on the side of the house until I bring him in. And even then, he kind of panics between the fear of the wind outside and the fact that because I have the door open, the wind outside is blowing the kitchen curtains, which also terrifies him. And so there are times when I kind of have to drag him through the door. Once he's inside, he is afraid of every single sound that the wind makes. If it's blowing the door hanging against my door, it'll scare him. If it's blowing against the house and the windows start shaking, that will scare him. You wouldn't necessarily suspect this, but he's actually not a very cuddly dog at all, unless he's scared. So as I began working on this morning's sermon, it was a very windy day this week, and, and he was actually laying right next to me with his head on my arm as I typed, and he would jump at every single solitary noise. If I moved anywhere in the house, he would follow me. I, I kind of had to pet him and reassure him that he's okay every couple of minutes. He tried for a little while to hide in the other room, but he soon found out that he won't really calm down with the wind howling unless he's right by my side. And of course I thought to myself, that'll preach. Because try as I might, I obviously don't have the power to stop the wind for him. All I can do is comfort him in the midst of it, but only if he stays close enough to let me. The reality is that this is a very, this is a very different kind of Holy Week and, and a very different kind of Easter, isn't it? Never in my wildest imagination would I have thought that we would be celebrating Easter apart from one another, nor could I have ever imagined that we would be doing church via technology. Now, I know that that's the norm for some people and for some churches. I know that there are people who live stream worship into their homes every weekend. I know that there are churches where people gather and watch a pastor preach on a screen instead of in person. I know that there are churches that have 
all of the fancy recording equipment to produce a, a professional looking service like none other. And while I appreciate that we have been able to utilize technology to stay connected, in fact, I'm, I'm exceptionally grateful for it. And while I'm so happy that doing church this way is allowing folks to join us who maybe have never been in our building before, the truth is that the whole thing, this whole doing church via technology thing, it's not who we are here at Hillcrest. And I know that you all feel that. Because of all the great things that we have going here at Hillcrest, our actual community of people is the very best of what we have to offer. That's why it was so important to us that you saw some familiar faces at the beginning of our Easter service this morning. That is why it is so difficult to not be together on this day. And if I don't say so myself, we do Easter upright here at Hillcrest. We do the big Easter breakfast with more food than you could ever imagine. We do an Easter egg hunt for the kids. And in fact, we were supposed to do a huge Easter egg hunt for all of our neighborhood kids this year. We decorate the sanctuary with about as many flowers as we can fit in here. We pack the service full of our favorite music. The seats are filled, the energy is high. It is the best service of the whole entire year, isn't it? And bigger churches than ours go even bigger. They have 50-person choirs and confetti cannons and 20-person worship bands and tons of events for the kids. People get bigger and more creative with their Easter ideas every year. I mean, it is the ultimate day for this church, for the church in, at, in lar at large. So go big or go home, right? And yet, home is exactly where we find ourselves this morning, isn't it? We couldn't go big, and for the health and safety of those we love, we went home. It is the right decision. It is our job as the church to care for the most vulnerable among us, which means not gathering together to celebrate this day that we love so much. So no sanctuaries full of flowers, no big breakfasts, no egg hunts, no decorations, no big big worship teams or bands. It is, it is such a drastic change of events from everything we have been used to our entire lives. Usually when we celebrate Holy Week, we get to our Good Friday service and we, we have to talk about how difficult it is to sit with that day. We talk about how hard it is to sit in the grief and the loss of it all. We say every year that we recognize that most of us would rather just skip Friday and jump straight to Sunday. We want to skip the grief and the death and go straight to the hope part. And yet now we find ourselves corporately resonating with Good Friday and maybe somewhat unsure of how to do Easter in these particular conditions. The grief and loss and disappointment that we usually try to avoid on Good Friday is now a constant companion for so many of us. We've talked about this before. We have experienced loss in so many ways over the past month. Students have lost their school communities. High school and college seniors have lost their spring sports and their end of the year celebrations. One in 10 people have lost jobs. 
Folks in care facilities have lost access to the outside world, including their own families. We have lost the socialization that we're used to. We've lost the freedom that we're so blessed to have. We've lost income and safety nets and security. Usually when we're gathered around the cross on Good Friday, we wonder to ourselves what it must have been like to have had our worlds turned upside down the way that Christ followers did that day. When we wake up on Holy Saturday, which most of us usually skip altogether, but if we are willing to think about it, we wonder what it must have felt like to experience the depth of disappointment that they must have felt. Nothing turned out as it was supposed to. Their world was flipped on its head. All of the things that they thought were right and safe and true died with Jesus. And so perhaps for the first time ever, Good Friday seems easier to sit with than does Easter Sunday. Because while certainly different circumstances, the entire globe is simultaneously feeling what it is to have our world turned upside down. We are watching our days unfold in a way that they weren't supposed to. And day by day, it seems we have suffered through the loss and disappointment of watching all of the things that seemed right and safe and true fall away. And some have died altogether. Silly as the analogy may seem, it's why I thought of my dog so afraid of the wind. He, when it's windy, he's on constant high alert. His eyes dart back and forth, trying to take it all in, searching for where the fear is coming from. He's afraid of the noises. He's afraid of the unknown. He leaves my side to investigate a noise, and then he gets scared all over again. And so I have to call him back to me as if to remind him that he's not as scared when he's by my side. And then he'll calm for a little while, and then he runs toward fear once more. It's a ridiculous cycle, and I wish he would just stay by me where he's calm. And I thought, gosh, we understand that, don't we? Because recently our eyes have darted back and forth from one news story to the next. We are chasing down articles and information even though the news is scary and the predictions grim. We keep running into fear, allowing it to envelop us, all the while our Father in Heaven is trying to call us back to Himself, the only place where we are calm. In my house, which I'm not going to show you right now, my dog has a hundred toys to play with, but none of them help him when he is scared. We right now have a hundred different things to distract us, but none of them help us when we are scared. But this, this is why the stripped down, scaled back Easter that we are celebrating today is exactly the Easter that we need. Yes, the flowers and the balloons and the eggs and the confetti cannons are so fun for Easter celebrations. And yes, we will probably bring them all out again someday when we are able. But none of those things are going to help us when we are scared. The packed pews, the 50-person choirs, they're not going to help us when we are facing the grief 
and loss of Good Friday. The flowers and the egg hunts, they aren't going to get us through the utter desolation and disappointment of Holy Saturday. When darkness and death seem to have won out, and I get it, because darkness and death seem to be winning out all around our globe right now, but when darkness and death seem to win out, what we need is not the bells and whistles of Easter. What we need is the God who conquered death and defeated the grave. And that is what we have, friends. That is what we have. That is what we celebrate, and that is what our world needs. A God who defeated death so that we could live. We have allowed our culture to convince the church that we need to make our Easter services bigger and flashier, that we need to up our production value and increase our Easter budget to get people's attention. Turns out maybe we were all wrong. Because bigger and flashier, well, they're not going to help our fear. Fanfare and productions aren't going to bring us hope when the rug has been ripped out from under us. When life has changed and jobs are gone and health feels tenuous, we don't need our stuff. We need a savior. The people who had been following Jesus around, the ones who were with him, they needed a savior as well. They were struggling. They were suffering. They wanted someone to come in and fix the situation that was going on all around them. And when Jesus died on the cross that day, all of their hope died with him. We are living some tough days right now. We have people all around us who are struggling to find hope. We have people living in poverty who are struggling to get access to food and water before this crisis. People who struggled even around us to make ends meet before this virus hit. And the longer this crisis continues, the easier it will be to find people who have given up hope. In the text from Luke that was read earlier, Luke talks about Peter going into the tomb on Easter morning. And it says, Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself, what has happened? And so here, here is the opportunity that is before us this Easter Sunday, this unusual Easter Sunday. If you are like Peter, standing there with the strips of linen or, or the strips of whatever brokenness this life has caused you due to this pandemic or, or for things that happened long before the world encountered this crisis, if you're standing there with the strips of whatever brokenness this life has caused you, wondering what happened, wondering if this is how and where your story ends, I want you to listen up. When Jesus rose from the dead, we were redeemed once and for all. Which means not just our lives for eternity, but also the life that we are living right now. We live as those who have been redeemed. Obviously, it is not a promise that this life will be easy. We are living proof of that right now. But for those watching this morning, especially those who are far from God or 
or those who are asking questions, those who maybe have not yet turned your life over to Christ. I'm not going to promise you that this is some kind of magical guarantee that all of the difficult things about your life are going to go away. It's not a promise that the wind or something like it won't come along and terrify you. This life with Christ is a promise that you will never be alone. It is a promise that the God who created you keeps calling you back to himself, to the only place where you, are, where you will ever feel the peace for which you were created, right by the side of Jesus. It is a promise that through the strength of Christ, and not on our own, that even in the most painful and difficult of circumstances, we can still find joy, and that in the darkest of situations, we can still find life. This is not just some story that happened 2,000 years ago that doesn't affect us. This story changed everything. And it will change everything if you let it. Because this Easter story today can become your story too. Have we ever needed Easter more than we do right now? When, when life gets real, when life gets hard, we need the promise of Easter, the promise of hope, the promise of a God who makes all things new. And it's a promise that I can preach in the middle of a global pandemic because it's a promise that I believe. And I believe it because I have seen it for myself. I have seen it in myself. I have watched the mercy and grace and love of Jesus Christ transform lives, radically, unbelievably transform lives. I have watched the hope of Christ raise up new life out of the most charred of ashes. You know, there's an old sermon that someone from our church actually posted online several years ago, and it continues to stick with me. It's a post where, where it shows Jesus descending to hell to break the chains that hold the dead in bondage. He smashes down the prison door. He shakes them awake with these words. You were not made for death. Despite what the news is telling us, despite what the models and the projections are telling us, what economists are telling us, you were not made for death. Regardless of what is happening around us, we have the option to daily choose life in Jesus Christ. He died and was raised again to give us that promise. And so regardless of the chaotic wind that blows around us, terrifying us with its unpredictability. We have a God who calls us by name and invites us into the comfort of his love for us, the only place where we will ever be truly calm, truly known, the only place we will truly ever have life. I know, I know that these days seem long, but we cannot lose sight of the fact that this life is short. And so this Easter, I am urging you, please don't stay in the empty tomb, strips of linen in hand, wondering what happened. Don't allow this pandemic and all that comes with it to keep you stuck 
in the empty tomb holding on to the broken pieces of whatever this life has done to you or with you. We will celebrate Easter today because hope comes alive this day and it can come alive in you. We will celebrate Easter today because we have a God who conquered death so that we could live. And now, more than ever, the people of this world need to know the hope of Jesus Christ. So, here's what I want you to do. You don't even have to get dressed up. You don't have to hide eggs or bake a ham. What I want you to do is this. Drop the linens. Get out of the tomb. Come claim for yourself a new life in Jesus Christ. And then... Share with the world that hope is real and that hope has come. That the hope that everyone thought had died is actually risen. Tell everyone that hope is alive and that his name is Jesus. And so from wherever you are as you watch this, to whoever you will talk to in the days to come, know this, Christ is risen. He is risen 